Welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC, and a place where leaders learn from leaders. Let's join today's episode. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Perspective episode. Uh, an episode that we are very excited to talk about today. It's very something unusual. We haven't had a chance to uh, have this discussion before, so I'm really interested to hear uh, from our panelists about leading with unchecked boxes. Um, this is really new for Essence in, in terms of thinking about what are some of the ways that our leaders now are leading uh, through their impositions right now. They are working uh, and have all the skills and the capabilities but they have some unchecked boxes. They don't meet the model that some organizations have. So we're gonna spend some time talking about that. And we have most qualified guests today here. I'm gonna give a few minutes to just introduce themselves, but I wanna thank you all for joining us on the call today, on the on the podcast today. We do have someone remote. So in my mind, I think it would pot a call. So Destiny, I'm gonna start with you since you are a remote guest. Uh, how are you today? Okay, I'm doing great. I hope that you yeah. are as well. Um, so Tell us my name about is, yourself. Yeah, my name is Destiny Wells. I work in higher education for a college in Texas, and I'm also a student working on my master's in clinical mental health counseling at Clark Atlanta University. Well, this will be a good good uh, discussion to hear from your perspective. Some of those yeah. unchecked boxes for being here. Who wants to go next? Who, who was in the room with me? I can go. Uh, thanks, uh, Kiki. I am Kenitra Kiki Heights. Uh, I am a director of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the food services manufacturing industry, as well as a friend partner with Essence Learning. <laughs> I have to throw that in um, as well. So thank you for having me today. I'm excited to have this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, my name is Trisha Cantu. Um, I have been in the recruitment industry for the last 20 years, and I am a recruiting and training coordinator coordinator in the entertainment and hospitality industry. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Bangalin. I'm the librarian at the Holocaust Museum Houston. Uh, I've been a librarian uh, or public librarian for the past 30 years and uh, a supervisor for almost all of those, t all of that time. So. <laughs> we are, we're starting to tell our age now when we went from a very young Destiny who's in college to, to myself, we kind of graduated up through that. So we're gonna have a good uh, conversation around these those unchecked boxes for some of the leaders within an organization. So now that we've had a chance to know get to know each other a little bit, what are some of the challenges that perhaps you've already faced um, as a leader? And when, it, when you think about fitting that model, that mold, uh, of, of leadership today, what 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 do you think the mold is, and then how do you think um, you may or may not have measured to that mold? I think everybody has in their mind whenever you <laughs> think about a leader. I know, I know. Even when you Google, like Google leader, <laughs> and it's always the same image that comes up. It's a white male in a suit very CEO style, very much like that. And that's kind of the impression that everyone has gotten into their, their mind since they started in the workplace. Mm -hmm. When you Google leader, there's a certain image that comes up. And so it blocks you from thinking about all of the other aspects that people have that also make them a leader. Cause like what you said, you have the skills and the, and the abilities to do the job, mm -hmm. but now I still have some boxes that are unchecked 
or so I think they're unchecked because they don't fit the typical image mm -hmm. of what a leader is. So before you go any further, then Kiki, let's stop there and talk about and explore a little bit amongst ourselves. What are some of those characteristics of a leader that rather, first of all, let's say what we think are the standard characteristics of a leader. What in your mind, when you Google, when you think of a leader, when you start to define the leader, what are some of those characteristics that come to mind? Um, someone who inspires. Someone who's inspiring. Yeah, someone who's collaborative. Barmy, what did you say? Someone who's collaborative as well. Collaborative. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I also think of someone who's vision-minded and goal-oriented, mm -hmm. um, a good decision-maker, and with experience. Right. So we've got some very um, capabilities types of competencies that we just described. And do those always come across? And when Kiki was just talking about, I Google someone and an image comes up. How do we have that image of collaborative and innovative and vision-minded? What, what does that person look like? Yeah, we really What's don't know. What's that image, right? Yeah, right, it could be anybody. Right. We're describing characteristics of a leader. That could be anybody, it's, it's us sitting around the table that, you know, there's no certain image to that, you know, unless we start to look up images, mm -hmm. then that's when it tell, it kind of tells us, this is what it was. So how do we start to decide whether those are the type of leaders that we have? Because we're talking about unchecked boxes. So before we get to unchecked boxes, I want to know really how are we thinking how can people as leaders say, or people who are looking at leaders say, you know, really I want someone who's innovative and creative and, and inspiring. How do I define, how do I find that leader? That's an unchecked box really. Cause you know, mm -hmm. I hire you and, or you're walking away. How do I, how do I, how do I get that leader into, to the mindset that that's what I need you to be. I need you to be inspirational. I mean, how does that happen? I, I feel that it happens from building relationships yes. mm -hmm. um, without relationship building, which I also feel is another important characteristics of, of a leader. Uh, I feel like if you're looking for a leader that's inspirational, that's innovative, that is um, has those characteristics that, that Joel mentioned, decision-making, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you have to be able to build a relationship with the people that you are working with and or that are either going to be promoted or hired into those positions as well to really find out what are those capabilities and those unique abilities that yeah. people have in order to get them into those those positions without building that one on one relationship how do you know okay you guys are and a lot of it is trust you ah. when you hire a new person into a position of leadership they have to spend some time building trust and building mm -hmm. uh making uh, proving that they're reliable mm -hmm. uh, and uh that they were worth the decision of hiring mm -hmm. them, uh, and and if 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 they jump off uh, by taking too many risks or risks that don't pay out, uh, they 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 defeat their own credibility mm -hmm. or that uh, that person, and so a lot of, because you're asking this you're asking the employee follow this person, mm -hmm. you know but we know nothing, nothing about him. All we know is what he said in his interview and we don't even know if that's true, you know, right. that sort of thing. So. Yeah. so we've got this, guys have done a great job of defining and, and getting in our mind 
the ideas of and the concepts and the and the the uh, expectations of behaviors that we're expecting. We, you know, we want them to influence and inspire. But now we have this image of a person that walks in the door, a person who we're following, a person who may be in the organization already. So it's not necessarily just a new person, someone who's been there already. And there's these biases or these blocks that won't allow us to see whether they're innovative or creative because they don't look a certain way. They don't act a certain way. They don't behave a certain way. Have you ever had any experience with that, whether you yourself uh, didn't have the boxes all checked or you didn't look the way, even though you came in with the skills, with the inspiration, uh, with all of the things that you needed to be successful, but then there was someone or other a group of people who looked at you a little differently because you didn't fit the image? Has I, that ever happened? I think um, managers, when they're looking for um, that next person to put on their team, um, they have the mindset of what their team is mm -hmm. and the personalities. Uh, and so when they're interviewing, they're, yes, they've made all those, some of the, they've had the skills they've got, they've got made this far mm -hmm. to the, to the interview. But at some point they're, they're looking at the personality and they're looking at, mm -hmm. okay, is this person going to blend in with this team or are they going to go against the grain? And I think that's where they're making their decision based on, um, whether or not this person's going to mm -hmm. be a good fit for my team. Yeah. I know that word good fit uh, has, has, has is yeah. connotation. Like, exactly. well, what does that mean? I'm unique and different. I don't want to fit and, in. But your point is not going against the grain. How do we get them in where they can be look beyond that mm -hmm. and really look, what are they bringing to the table? Yeah. How are they going to, how are they going to help my team improve my team? And because, you know, everybody has different skill sets. Everybody's got different, um, their strengths and their weaknesses and what is this person going to bring to my team that's going to be really going to shine my make my team shine and that's what we need to be looking at instead of the image they, the image exactly mm -hmm. i do think sometimes leaders do get caught up in the image yeah and when you walk into the door the first they notice everything about you you know mm -hmm. i'm a black female who is plus size i have a disability how do all of those things play a part of what I'm looking for, who I'm going to work with, they all think about those things as well. You know, will she be able to fit in, fit in with my clientele if I'm working with all white men and she's a black female? Um, you know, is she going to be able to do the things that I need her to do because maybe she is heavier on the other side? So I think that there's always some past judgments that when you walk in the door, people look at you automatically and they say these things about you. But, and then therefore they don't get the opportunity to build the relationship really that they need with you to make sure that you can do what you need to do and that you are a, a leader for them. So give us some idea, Kiki, of some of the things maybe you've done to help um, navigate through those types of biases. Yeah, I think number one I've done personally and, and I've always not considered to use my my weight as a hindrance, but as a, a, like a plus. And so I think a lot of things I've done is education and awareness around that as well as how we 
uh, should be treating plus size abled bodies as well. And for me, it always nerves me because there's a difference when you treat plus size men than females because a man can work, walk in the door and be heavy and then it's no issue, no problem at all. I don't see that. But a female is a different reason. You should be dressing a certain way. You should be looking a certain way. And I think there's a difference in that. So education is the first thing that I like to talk about in awareness and about how we should be no matter what, treating people with respect. With respect. I think what came to mind as you were talking was transparency, being transparent about this is who I am. Let's talk about it. Uh, obviously, you may feel that it's a barrier or, or being treated that way, and you really want to get that out on the table. Let's kind of talk through that. And mm -hmm. that kind of lends to some of the things that Joel was mentioning about trust, right? How do we... Um, Make sure that people can trust us because I'm comfortable with who I am. And I understand that this may be a question that you all have. So you're talking about just educating, creating awareness around it so that people will understand the, the value that you bring, regardless of what they see or may have a bias against. Because I think that's an interesting um, way to navigate through that, through education. Yes. All right. Anything, John, I think you were going to get started with us. Yeah, I, I think also in, in my field, uh, in librarianship, uh, it is a white woman dominated ah, field. Yes. And so being a man, I, I, it, it made me stand out in the crowd. And so I always felt like I had to prove myself. And being a man of color, I, again, I had to prove myself in many, many different ways. And also being a an out LGBTIA community member, uh, I, again, I always had to prove myself and, and then keep building that, that, that trust. I'm what, sorry. What are some ways that you've navigated that? Give us some tips. Well, you know, I, I, I got it from, I got some of the best advice that I, that I got was that, um, uh, was at a, a, a human resources training, uh, about equity and diversity and inclusion. And, uh, the, 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 I, I said to that person, I've often used this to my advantage that that I stood out in the crowd or that I was different from everybody else because um, a, a, a lot of uh, systems and a lot of government uh, agencies were looking for someone who thought differently and 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 diversity does bring that perspective mm -hmm. and he said good use it to your advantage because every time you've used it to your advantage someone else has used it to your disadvantage yeah. at least twice mm -hmm. So there's always that 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 has always kept me motivated. And um, so I, I don't I, I do think it, it's kind of also part of my role as a person of some of these communities to educate other folks, let them know, hey, we're just as skilled as as the heterosexual white male or heterosexual mm -hmm. a woman. Uh, in leadership and 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 because I think my work history and my my career has been built on building trust, building relationships, and building um, uh, a, a history or, or collecting a history and 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 creating these sorts of ways for everybody to be heard. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. I think that's 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 that has been the key. Uh, and then mm -hmm. becoming a leader. Uh, another thing that one of my mentors said, uh, life might not be fair, but the workplace should be. Mm -hmm. And so I've always worked to, to that goal. Awesome. 
That's a very, that's a jewel. We can probably take that one away. The, the, that the life may not be fair, but we have a right to expect the workplace to be fair. And I, I love that. And so when we're thinking about, uh, you, you said a couple of things early on in your, as you started to speak about proving yourself. Um, I wonder, and I'm going to kind of toss it over to you, Destiny. I wonder, are there times when you felt like you had to prove yourself in circumstances even in a workplace where you expect it to be fair. You expect it to be fair. You come in with that mindset, it's going to be fair and equitable, and you have the qualities and you have the skill sets, but yet and still you have some instinct in you that's saying, I need to be proving myself. Uh, not be, prove myself, my, my capabilities, but prove myself uh, as to the, the, um, the differences that I bring in, that my differences have values. It's not that I can't, be a medical student or that I can't be a librarian or that I'm not, it's, they believe that yeah, you've been good at it, but I just, you're so different uh, from the rest. I need you to prove that that as well. That's just one of the things that we're, we're seeing that people are having to prove their difference as opposed to their capabilities. Have you run into that, Destiny? Yeah, I, I think that I've run into that in different sectors, right? So I mentioned that, that I'm in school, um, but then even throughout my professional field, um, I've, even I had been working like post-graduation, post-undergrad, right, um, since 2015. So I'm still, I guess, kind of relatively new, you know, to the working field. But but I've I've, I've worked since I was 15, right? So I've I've always been like a very professional um, person. So I've always presented myself like in a way. And so because when I graduated undergrad, I had a certain amount of experience. Um, I was able to not just go like entry level. I started like a mid-level position, right? So at my age. And then me coming in as a black woman, of course, you know, some of those different challenges. Um, so I definitely found myself like in spaces, whether it be like in meetings or um, even sometimes like going out for certain positions. Right. Um, I even thinking about like the interview process and how, you know, I would mention like, oh, I got this interview I'm really excited about. And some people would be like, well, are you going to shave your hair? And I'm like. You know, so different things like that, right? Which it, to me, I'm like, wait, why would I, right? But at the same time, it's like, well, you have to present, you know, we talked about that physical image, right? Um, like you, Kiki, I'm a plus size woman. I have been for the good, for a good majority of my life. Um, and and I do, I question, right? Like if are there other clothes that I wear are gonna, you know, show up in a certain way. Um, but I think one beautiful thing that I've like started to get comfortable in is I'm just going to show up as me, right? I've been really fortunate to um, come into some to come into situations like now, right? Like the the current job that I work for and the school that I attend, where they encourage us to show up as who you are, right? Um, that's especially one thing about an HBCU is like, no, we we want you, we want you as who is all of who you are, right? Um, even as a black woman, like we're not, there's no like monolith, right? There's no like one way to do it. And so um, being able to show up is exactly who I am and knowing that like wherever I'm placed at, there's something inside of me that that place needs. And so me being comfortable in that, um, knowing that like, I'm going to bring whatever it is that you all need. I love that. And it seems to me that you necessarily didn't focus, even though people may have asked, you know, are you going to wear your hair that way? Are you going to uh, actually present yourself in this manner? You didn't let that deter you, obviously, from the uh, responsibility of, of doing the interview uh, and then taking on the responsibility of not necessarily proving yourself as an African-American woman uh, uh, of a very young age in a position that is not typically, to, you know, you see someone in that age in a mid-level position. 
but you just went in and started doing the work. And I think that's one of the tips that, one of the things that I learned early, early in, and I was raised in an, an affluent area, primarily a white Jewish neighborhood. Uh, and in the, you know, in, in the early 60s, in fact, that was just not where African-American families raised their children. That's where we were. We landed in that position. And one of the things that I learned very early is that racism, discrimination, or any type of bias is not my fault. It's not me. And so if I lean into that and, and take that on as my weight, um, then I never can really perform at my full capacity. Let them carry that weight. If that's if, if they're if they are biased or if they're racist or they don't like you for whatever reason, let them carry that. That's a heavy weight to carry, right? And if that's theirs, and I love the fact that you all brought up education because that's how we help them to alleviate some of the barriers is to get in there, do the job, and then help educate them along the way. So I, I heard that from both Kiki and 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 um, Joel that education is key that once you get in that role and once you um, recognize that that's happening, that there's boxes that you're not checking and guess what? You're not going to check. I'll never be a white male. I'll never be a white female. I won't ever check those boxes, but I can help educate you on the value that all of our differences bring to the workplace. I love that the idea that it has to be equitable. So when we talk about equity, are there some other things that you all want to share? I kept thinking in my mind about the difference between a man and a woman, right? And the way that the characteristics show up. So when we were talking about what does uh, influence look like? What does innovation look like? How does that, does that look different in a man than it does in a woman? I, I can, what makes me ask that question is uh, assertiveness and aggressiveness and persistence looks different when a man does it from a woman does it. We have such, you know, oh, Absolutely. she's very aggressive. Well, I was right. just being assertive. I was just being involved. I was being engaged. I was being passionate. Whatever those words we describe it as, yeah. somehow yeah. or another, it takes on a different look and feel uh, when it's coming from a woman than it does from a man. So is, is that, you know, like we've talked about age, kind of talked about race. Now I want to throw in gender in terms of that box. Is that a little different? Uh, is there some things that we do differently from a gender perspective? that, you know, and I would love to hear from you, Joel, because you brought up, you know, and, and as, as well as you haven't heard from you, Trish, so I want you to jump in there <laughs> next too. Uh, I, I think so, because I, again, that was one of the things that I used to my advantage, yes. being in a woman dominated field, was that I'm a man, they, they kind of expected some sort of behaviors out of me, but, and when I manifested a very forthright decision-making process or, uh, you know, they, they I guess I, I, again, that was my, uh, what's that word? Um, privilege. Mm -hmm. I used mm -hmm. it, I used it as a privilege. And again, uh, whereas if, if a woman did the same thing in, in our, in my field, um, uh, she would have been perceived as, as bossy or as, mm -hmm. as, you know, some of the Other ugly words. And, and, uh, what, what I'm going with is that yes, it from the on the observer side, yes, it it, it, it there is a difference. Like if you're seeing it uh, in general, and and I think, but I think that tide is changing. Mm -hmm. I think people are are looking at it differently. Um, I think uh, in in many in many different degrees. You know, so, some people might not still right. manifest it, but you know, I think. I think again, because it was something that made me stand out, being a man in a woman-dominated field, 
I, I used it as my privilege. I already used my privilege rather to to advance my my myself and my career and 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 uh, the the perspective as as far as um, all the other other communities that I represent as an Asian American, LGBTQIA, um, and and uh, whatever favor it it ga gained me, I, I I tried to use it. I love that. Before I ask my next question. Just want to kind of toss it to you, kind of get your well, thoughts on what we've been talking about. I can, you know, I can relate to the the comment. Um, the, you know, because I am passionate about what I do. I love mm -hmm. recruitment. I love meeting people. I love finding that candidate. Like, you know what? I know you applied for this position, but I think I have something else better Best for way. you. Mm -hmm. I, I get excited. I and I get a passion, and and I have, I've had, um, been penalized for that direct communication mm -hmm. style, um, because women are supposed to be more empathetic. Have uh, type of mm -hmm. style, um, but I really, you know, want my voice heard, and I feel like maybe that's, you know, my the way why I'm have that direct communication style. Yeah, so you're saying that your direct communication style sometimes gives you a different reaction and response than it would if you were a male giving it, it with exactly. the same direct uh, style. So your style as a woman, oftentimes, and then then I want to talk about this privilege uh, that you brought up when privileges. Before I do that, how about you, Destiny? Do you have anything to add in terms of the conversation around being, you know, a woman? Uh, are there behaviors that have been viewed uh, differently? Uh, you think if you were a man doing the same thing? Um, yeah, definitely. I, th I think uh, I, I think that on the innovation tip, right? Um, I am a very like creative person and I, and I thrive off of that. If I'm not in a space where I'm able to be creative and share my ideas and my passions and things like that. And yeah, I could definitely come across depending on the team that you're working with or maybe the, the leadership that you have as, you know, quote unquote bossy or assertive or different things like that. Um, um, and so again, I, one thing that I've just tried to navigate um, or I've I've just tried to be really intentional about the spaces that I that I put myself in, right? Because there was a lot of times where I was in positions where there was that pushback or I didn't have that. And I realized like, hey, this is just not the space for me, right? It's not a good fit. Um, and so I've, you know, been fortunate to, to move on to spaces that were better fits for me um, to where I can show up, like I said, authentically as myself. That brings up another great point mm -hmm. for organizations. Kiki, I know that you and I have had this conversation quite a bit about having organizations that if they aren't open to all of us who come into the workplace, mm -hmm. to the diversity of the workplace now, uh, to be in an equitable workplace, if people are organizations aren't open to that, they're having a really hard time of keeping people in the organization. It's just like you said, Destiny, once they find out that they can't uh, be who they are and they can't be, if I'm creative, I can't be creative there. If, if I, if I want, if I'm particular about processes and procedures and I can't be that, there, I'm going to go where I can be me. Right. And right. that includes not just our capabilities, but all the things that we believe and all of the, 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 our whole self that we bring our cultures and our traditions and our, 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 our way of being and our, our, you know, our way of thinking, if those things aren't, valued, then I think we stop and say, you know what, I could take this somewhere else where it's appreciated or where it's embraced. And that's when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, that being embraced. And we spend a lot of time telling organizations that that's what people are looking for. You know, where you can't just bring in that image that you see on Google and that person's going to jump in and they may not have the skills you look at. You're looking for 
innovation. You're looking for creativity. You're looking for that. And so it's not going to come in that same mold every time. Now it can come in white males. One of the things I want to make sure we, we don't do is say that white males aren't a part of this diversity uh, picture that we're talking about, because definitely they are part of the diversity. They, they're, they're white male are part of the mixture that we talk about when we define diversity. So I don't want to ever say that the white male is not part of that, but I want to make sure that we're all, that new standard that you said we're doing that tide wave, that new standard includes all of us along with the white male. So we're all part, we can be, we can come, our innovation could come in any shape, size or color, right? And uh, gender, race and all of that. So that's great. We talked about privilege and I love you brought it up a couple of times that we operate from a place of privilege and I think, um, do you find that you have a place of privilege that you can, that you can operate from? I've just recently have noticed I do have a place of privilege because I have been brought up in a place where I, I recognize that I don't have privileges in a lot of different aspects. And just now recently have I realized, hold on, I do have, I do, I do have a, a, a place of privilege here. So uh, one of the things that I started doing at work is being very, um, I wouldn't say assertive, but I would say very convincing mm -hmm. with the CEO on the things that we need. And so much to the point where he says, you're the only person that has walked into my office and I've been able to approve everything that they've asked for. Um, no one else has done that. Well, people have gotten wind of that and they have no idea how I do it or why I'm doing it or, or what skills I'm using in that room to do it. So I've realized, hey, I, that is a privilege that I do now have is that I'm able to have a very open and honest conversation with the CEO and convince him to do things that we need to get done from a diversity, equity and inclusion standpoint because it's so important. And now I have awesome. the resources and the money to spend on it because I am in a place where that program is important it's a privilege to have. So I really have capitalized on that. And kind of when you say like leave and check boxes, I make my own boxes now. So that privilege has turned into a skill of, I have this convincing skill that I use with conversations awesome. with the CEO. So that is a, a, a new box that I have. And I feel like everybody's trying to get that box now yeah. <laughs> that is unchecked for them. All right, good, good. Anybody else operating from a place of privilege? One of the things we love to leave with the leaders is, I mean, listeners, is that we all have that space. And to have, that's the box that I think when we think about an unchecked box, that's the box I think I would love for us to be able to check. Where, where can I operate? Where can my skill, my uniqueness, my bring value to an organization? And then there, from that place, I can operate from a place of privilege because that's the way that we navigate through some of these biases, some of these mm -hmm. things that we, whether they're traditional biases, preconceived, mm -hmm. I mean, because we've always kind of had this image of what, you know, a leader looks like. We've always had the same characteristics of what a leader should have when they're leading. Yeah. And those things are shifting. That tide is shifting. And so now what are the privileges that we bring, the value that we bring, and how do we operate from that? And how can I use who I am and use that as a privilege to walk in the door. I think that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we bring to the table. Any other tips that you'd like to bring before our time has, has come to an end? And I, I just wanna make sure that we leave our listeners with ways to navigate because we aren't gonna change 
who we are. We're gonna you're, you're gonna look like Joel tomorrow when when you go to work, and Destiny, you're gonna be Destiny when you go to work. What are some of the things that we're going to do, uh, or we can help our listeners to do? to help them say, you know what, even though I don't have the check boxes from that traditional model, what are the things that I can do? Does Kiki says, create my own boxes or just to make sure that I bring, I'm standing in a place of privilege. I think leaders should be, I just say, get ready for a new wave because yeah. our newer generations, they don't care about the boxes. They don't <laughs> care which boxes are checked, unchecked, if there's boxes or what. Our millennial and, and generation Z, are coming in from a place of we deserve this. We're going to get it. This is where, and if we, if we don't give it to us, you know what, we'll go out and we'll create our own space to do it and we'll do it even better. And so if you want to capitalize on that talent, you have to really reevaluate what boxes that you're looking at for those leadership skills and, and change those around because our new generations are coming in with different leadership skills, a different way of dress. Dress codes can't stay the same that they were before. Uh, the way that they look and dress and hair colors and piercings and tattoos, all of that has to change because they're bringing a whole different look, style, communication style, especially communication style to the table. So in order to support those generations, we have to reevaluate what those boxes are. Awesome, thank you, Kiki. Let's run here for everybody before we sign off. I really think, you know, being your authentic self, mm-hmm. you got to be, your, you have to be who you are. Um, don't allow, you know, those boxes to, uh, to change who you are. I mean, you, you want to, as much time as you're spending at work, you need to be happy. You got to be happy. So, you know, find, find your happy place and find where you can be appreciated and valued because if you're not appreciated and valued, then you're not going to be authentic, and your work is going to suffer. And you're not going to be just as a productive. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're not going to be as productive. But if you're going to be valued and you're going to be recognized for your for your work, um, then you're going to be more productive. Okay. And, and just that creativity is gonna, just going to come cycle. out. That's yeah. Full cycle. All right. I think there, there's a lot of information that that uh, that is unwritten when you when you fill out an application and mm. check all those boxes you know your your experiences your 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 cultural heritage um, are and and the coping skills that are there uh, are assets to your company and assets to your organization so use those assets mm-hmm. uh, and 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 make sure that they get seen out uh, from from activity that's not just checking mm-hmm. a box, you know, someone may may check uh, they grew up African American or uh, uh, speak Spanish or whatever. Um, but the what 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 doesn't get communicated is that yes, I spoke Spanish growing up, but I also spoke English, mm-hmm. and that also that gave me coping skills you know that. that gave me that gave me coping skills that that's really hard to even uh uh describe right. i guess you know right. every, you know we're often asked okay so uh you know what what's your ethnic heritage on a job application like as if it really meant something to the job but it, it does truly mean that I've always had to live with white people. Mm-hmm. I've always had to deal with them and get educate them on my culture and my heritage and mm-hmm. and you know 
why my hair texture is not like the Chinese person next mm -hmm. to me. Right. You know that, and 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 in ways that that aren't offensive right. or or off-putting, and so, you know, it, we. What I'm hearing you yeah. say is to learn how to tell your story, and right. the value that your story brings. And so I'm hearing you say that I may check these boxes, and but I need to be able to say why is it? What value do I bring as a Spanish-speaking uh, person? What value do I bring at from my heritage as an Asian American? What so be able to tell our own story uh, because that's part of that education process that you right. guys have talked about and, the, and, the, and that value that brings. Jesse, we're way out of time, uh, but I'm gonna I want to yield some time to you so that before we sign off, you have any final thing for our for our uh, uh, listeners? I I love the fact that you just ended on that point of being able to tell your story. Um, I'm definitely gonna talk to the students from this perspective who may be listening to the podcast, um, but. I would say there's, I know that so many of us, you know, we're, we're getting this degree, right? We're coming out and we feel like there's so many people who are in these different positions that we aspire to that, you know, we don't necessarily have the experience or whatever it is, right? But there's so much value in being able to tell your story, right? Yeah. Like that, that degree, it is what it is, right? Sometimes it can be quote unquote, just a piece of paper, right? But it really, what comes down to it and how you're going to get in the rooms and the opportunities and different things like that is because you're able to tell your story. And, you know, like everyone else has said, being able to show up as authentically yourself and showing all of the people that you interact with um, that, that you do have value and what, it, what, uh, what benefit you can bring to that space. That's great. Well, we'll end with that. Thank you all so much for all the tips the, the wonderful conversation uh, and just really giving us a different perspective on imagery and uh, the idea that we are now a new people coming into the organizations, shifting the way the organizations look at leaders and treat leaders. Uh, we don't, we're throwing out the boxes, I think Kiki's telling us. Uh, in the future, we need to be prepared for that. So thank you all again for this. We're going to sign off for this podcast, but we hope that you'll join us for our next series of podcasts that, are, that follow. I think we do it every week, so we'd love to have you join us. Thank you all again, and have a great, great rest of the day. Thank you for joining Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC. Essence Learning is your solution to personal and professional development. We partner with our clients to develop a learning strategy that will increase productivity, enhance performance, and align with their purpose and goals. For more information visit us online at essencelearning.net or call us at 1-877-657-5755.